This podcast is brought to you in part by the estate of Bob Nelson. Bob was a lover of all things San Diego and a longtime supporter of Voice of San Diego and its podcasts. We at Voice of San Diego are honored to have his support during his lifetime and continued support through his estate planning. My mom says my neighborhood school isn't good enough. How am I supposed to know my kids are getting the best education possible? Welcome to Good Schools for All, a podcast from the investigative news organization Voice of San Diego. We cut through the jargon and polarized debate to get you the news and ideas that matter. Good schools are at the heart of our democracy and economy, and we're about good schools for all kids. We hope you'll learn and maybe teach us something. Enjoy the show. There should be an excellent school in every community. My name is Scott Lewis. And I'm Laura Cohn. Hi, Laura. Hi, Scott. We've been on the road a little bit, went to the library, gave a presentation about the school's guide. It was great to have all those uh, parents show up, parents who had lots and lots of questions about how they should pick a school, how they could use the guide to help them. Yeah, Parents' Guide for Public Schools is out. It's been a little tough to find. We just had a meeting to talk about how many we may need to print for next year, some of the other logistics involved. It It flew off the shelves Thanks for all of those who um, inquired for one. If you didn't get one, you can shoot us an email and I'll see what I can do about it. My email is scott at voiceofsandiego.org. It was just well received. We knew it hit a spot and um, I'm glad it, it worked. It uh, seemed like a lot of people were interested in that info. Yeah, 44,000 copies uh, were snatched up pretty quickly. Yeah. So um, we have a lot to talk about today. So you have a program coming up called the Opportunity Youth Summit for the Workforce Partnership, right? We do on April 12th at the Town & Country Resort. We're going to really dive into this phenomenon of um, young people, 16 to 24 year old years old, who are neither working nor in school. And with that, we're going to do our number of the week. Yes, the number of the week this week is 41,000, which represents um, the number of opportunity youth in San Diego County. That's 9.4% of all 16 to 24-year-olds in San Diego County, almost 1 in 10. So almost 1 in 10 youth uh, over the age of what? Between ages 16 and 24. Are either not employed or not in school. Not employed and not in school, yes. (laughs) So that's significant. That's a lot. And this is such an important time in life. I mean, we've all been through it, and it's a tough, it's a passage. I think of it as a passage from, um, you know, before age 16, almost every young person is learning. They're in school, and the, the thing that they have to navigate is moving from that school person who's in school into the person who's in the workforce who's Mm -hmm. working and it's always you know it's always um there can be lots of different turns twists and turns that a young person takes along that way but one out of ten of our young people is really just falling out um and disconnecting altogether from either school or work now isn't that number smaller than when we talked about it last year it's a slight amount smaller so um, by the way, this is 2016 data. That's the latest data we have. The data we had last year was 2015 data, and there were 43,000 opportunity youth estimated um, out of that 2015 data. So it's a small improvement, and that's that's great. It's headed in the right direction, um, but we want to we want to um, make it move a lot more. In fact, we've set a goal of 
reconnecting 10,800 opportunity youth by 2020. Okay. So I got a question. Mm -hmm. So on these sorts of things, and I think this gets into your work in general, is uh, I've always wondered how much of it can we, you know, artificially, not artificially, just sort of on this, on these types of programs affect like how much how many of how much of that can we change right and how much of it is is just the physics of our workforce of our housing prices of our yeah, of young adulthood uh, yeah, yeah, of, yeah of of life in the united states right now and especially yeah. in this area you know how much of that can we change right i think that's that is a really important question i've been thinking about that a lot and asking um, a lot of people about it so the analog is the unemployment rate. So there's a recognition by economists they're having trouble estimating that there's some natural level of unemployment that um, will never go below. But we used to think that was 5%. Now our unemployment rate in San Diego County is at 3.5%. So it's it's lower that in, in that case, it's lower than people originally suspected. Um, and yeah, there's going to be some um, same phenomenon when we're talking about disconnected youth, um, partly just because there are always going to be some young people who are struggling during that age, partly because it's just, uh, you know, the same as the unemployment rate, basically. Um, but we can do a lot better. So, for example, Boise, Idaho, I believe, is at 6.6% um, of disconnection rate. But also Bakersfield, California, is at about 20% disconnection rate. Oof. Yeah, so there's a so depending on where you live, um, there are major differences in this number, and we're definitely in San Diego not at the natural disconnection rate. We can absolutely do better than we are. Okay, what's the summit going to do? I, we talk about it a little bit in the future, but what what was this new? Is this a new program? It's the second year of the summit. Um, last year, San Diego Workforce Partnership held it, and um, they sold out at 500. So we moved it over to the town and country resort so that more people can come, and we're already well above that number. Um, but there are more seats uh, in case anyone hears this and wants to sign up. So um, it's a chance for everybody in our community who cares about this issue, who's working on this issue, who um, wants to know how they might work on it um, in the future. They can come together, learn about what's going on with young people and um, get some insight into what, uh, how we can organize better to get youth better connected or even better than that to keep them from getting disconnected in the first place. Okay. So there are K-12 people, there are higher education people, government people, nonprofit people, some some employers as well. So it's this cross-sector um, group of, of, uh, of folks who, who come together to just talk about it, learn about it, and figure out what to do next. And you have an example of, of, a, of a what's working. Right. So what's working this week is um, Kuyamaka College. So one of the reasons that young people in that age range get disconnected is they try to go to college, often community college, and they take these placement exams that tell them whether they're qualified to take college level math and language arts, and they don't do well on them. They A lot of times, young people don't even know they're going to have to take placement exams, but they show up at college and all of a sudden they're asked to sit down for a test that they haven't studied for. They do their best, but they get um, assigned to remedial coursework. Remedial coursework doesn't count towards any degree of any kind. It's also not subsidized by the state, so it's expensive. 
and it's really frustrating. Um, you've taken this coursework before in high school, not done so well in it. You've, you're told again, you're not ready for college, even though you took the um, effort to show up at college. And um, it's so it's a it's a terrible barrier for kids. And um, the current rate or the prior rate at Cuyamaca College for kids who were assigned to remedial coursework was only 10% of them eventually passed the college level math course and therefore were able to earn an associate's degree. Cuyamaca just decided to do away with the remedial test and um, and instead they look at um, kids or the the applicants high school uh, math coursework and if they did well enough in high school they just assign them straight into college math no placement test required but also give them um, a lot of support in that math um, class and so their rate of success in college level math shot up to 68 percent so i think the the that's amazing i think what people would worry about is are the standards being lowered like is you know are are they just the the worry has always been or the 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 ball work has always been, well, there's college. Like no matter how much, you know, people are socially progressed through school or whatever, that at least at that point, there's a standard that they're going to have to get over. And that's partly what the remedial effort was about, right? Is getting them up to that point. So what you're saying is they don't lower the standard for the course that they get into. It's just that they'll help them through it better and, and, yeah. and provide them the support they need. Like what does that look yeah, like? Tutoring? So, and Yes, exactly. Well, um, so the Cuyamaca math department designed this new approach. So it's the college professors who came up with it. And yeah, so there's extra tutoring. They have um, an extra couple of units of support work by the same professor who's mm -hmm. teaching the math class. Um, they also changed the instruction so that it's more about hands-on real-world-based math problem solving, which is more motivating for the students. And I suspect um, that there's also a psychology effect of what I described before, if you're um, being told you can, yeah, you can perform, we're going to help you do it is a lot different than you can't perform at college level. We sure hope you can fight your way through the remedial slash high school level coursework that you thought you were done with before we'll let you into college. So I think that's got to be a big factor there too. So we brought in a couple of folks, uh, young people who are kind of on both sides of this very thin line of of what you're calling opportunity youth the the uh one who literally is mm -hmm. and one who is has figured out a little bit of her path yep and so let's get to that let's do it okay we are joined in the great voice San Diego podcast studio by two special guests anna lomeli and jahir costello join us. They are a part of the Opportunity Youth Leadership Council, and uh, there's an event coming up, the Opportunity Youth Summit. Opportunity Summit. Opportunity Summit, mm -hmm. and they've helped organize that, and they have special stories. Anna and Jahir, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having us. All right, so you guys both have very interesting stories. Um, Jahir, you were just talking, and I want you to just pick up where you were at. Um, both of you are so-called dreamers, right? You, um, uh, your parents brought you here as youth, and um, and now your status as citizenship and 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 residency is is established. Except that uh, it's you know nationally being questioned or whatever, and it needs to be resolved. So, uh, Jahir, you were just talking about what that was like as a child. 
um, where walking around and such, you didn't ever have that uh, a sense of security about uh, uh, about your place in in this society. Is that a way a good way to put it? Or? Yeah. So it was very difficult. Um, like I said before, um, before the DACA status that I got, um, walking around and going to school was a bit of a challenge because you're so used to um, hearing that people got picked up from Border Patrol and taken back. So it was always that uh, certain paranoia that you get um, and that lack of confidence of being able to make it to and from school. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it kind of, uh, once I got my DACA status, at first it was still kind of difficult because, you know, so many years of the same thing. And now that I have uh, my status, I walk with a little more confidence. And I'm not too worried about um, my safety of getting picked up because I can walk right past them and they won't say a word. Mm. Now, how old are you? I am 21 years old. Okay. And you um, you are actually in that space that we're talking about right now of somebody who's um, not working and not in school at the moment, right? Right. So um, what you were talking uh, about what led you to that situation, right? Give me a... Um, your own take about how you grew up and, and, and where you're at right now. So I originally came from um, Mazatlan, Sinaloa, mm-hmm. which is in Mexico. And I came here when I was four years old with my parents. My mom was barely pregnant with my younger brother. And uh, once I got here, I started living with other family. And until my father was able to get a job and have our own place to stay. Growing up, again, it was very difficult. Um, but... As I started uh, entering the tender age of middle of 11 through high school, I started suffering a lot more because of family difficulties, especially because I live in a, an unstable uh, household. So for me, that was another challenge to face. Um, but what got me here now was uh, when I was, because I didn't graduate on time, uh, I was in a classroom uh, with other adults and uh, someone came in and offered me an opportunity. Now, like anyone else, it hears. It sounds very um, too good to be true. and But I realized that it's either I sink or swim. Mm-hmm. And so I took a leap of faith and hoped that I uh, could get an opportunity. And I actually did. I joined the Workforce Partnership. Mm-hmm. And I started out with nothing. No resume, no experience whatsoever. And uh, now I'm part of the uh, Youth Leadership Council. I uh, was an intern for Library Aid. Um, I'm just doing so much right now that it's uh, ridiculous. Um, and I'm going to be part of the Opportunity Youth Summit. Cool. Well, good. Well, we're excited. Uh, Anna, so talk to me about uh, about y- you. So you, how old are you? I am 21 as well. Yeah. And you are working at, uh, at Banana Republic, you said, right? Yes. And um, but you were telling a story about your own high school experience. So you um, you were at San Diego High School, and that wasn't working out. Tell us how that how that happened. What happened? So I've always had a very good um, relationship with the education system and mm-hmm. my teachers. So the incident at San Diego High was just that I was there at a time where there was a lot of race riots. You know, Mexicans versus African Americans, and just everybody was kind of not in a good place mentally and I think a lot of the attention was taken away from people who really were there to learn and genuinely wanted to you know better themselves 
and all of the attention was placed on all these bad things that were going on and I just felt like I had this hunger for for school and for my education that I didn't want this um these incidents to tart my idea of how I felt about the education system. What do you mean by that word? What what, what kind of clashes are we talking about? Just uh, fights in the halls, uh, more violence than that? It would just be everywhere. I mean, you couldn't go out to lunch without hearing that somebody was going to fight or like passing period that someone went to the bathroom and something happened to them. And it just, it didn't feel safe. And um, I just didn't want that to reflect how I felt about school the whole time when I knew that it was something I was very passionate about. I was involved in the medical academy inside my school. I had a dreams of being a trauma surgeon, and that just wasn't going to happen if I didn't get through to high school with a good mentality. Like every day, every, obviously safety and your own personal safety is going to be the most important concept in any moment of your life. And so, but if you don't have that, if you don't have that sense of security, then it really clouds everything else. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, definitely. And I, it's completely relevant to what's going on now it's just that not, now it's guns and not fists mm-hmm. and um i think and any student that wants to go to school needs to have that environment where they can learn safely and know that they're going to be okay and they can go home at the end of the day and not have to stay you know inside their classroom for a few more hours or a few more minutes because some incident is going to break out after school that you know the administration needs to worry about so and you said that that like really sorry that that really like um, occupied your um, space, but also you said that the teachers and administrators like that has to take up a lot of their time to to resolve as well. Definitely, it's just have you know seeing that they're you know they themselves are stressed out. They have families to go home to, and it's like having to wait around for everything to die out, or you know to go and discipline somebody that took away the their hunger to want to teach and you know be as involved with their students as they should be. And a lot of, you know, students go to school feeling like it's their safe haven. They didn't have, you know, the support at home or, you know, they don't have a meal coming home to. So the school was like the most important thing to them. And just to have the same environment perpetuating outside of their home, it just, it just made it bad for everybody. Mm -hmm. So you, and I want you to share how you found your pathway out of that environment to a um, safer and successful school next step for school, but also um, explain how that environment maybe has impacted some of your friends. So after leaving San Diego High School, just kind of at an abrupt moment, I went into the counseling office and I was like, I'm really sorry. I know I'm doing really well here and I know you guys would want me to stay, but I cannot stay here. I need to go. I need to find another place. And, um, There was a small high school behind City College and behind San Diego High School called Garfield High and unfortunately had a really bad um, reputation because they would take in young mothers. They had a daycare right there in in the facility and there was a lot of kids who were in the juvenile juvenile system. And um, but I if I saw that, you know, these people who came from really hard paths in life could make it somewhere, you know, where they had better themselves and were in a better mentality why what couldn't this do for me where I already have the hunger to want to be something Mm -hmm. you know and um, it was a small smaller school about I want to say 300 students and um, I was like well this is going to be for me and I begged my parents I went to the orientation and uh, I started at Garfield High School and um, I right away I saw the difference you know they made sure your parents came with you to the orientation that they were involved in everything that you were doing and um 
they would check up on you. The since it was a smaller school, the the student to counselor ratio was a lot smaller. So if anything happened right away, you would get called in and they would really get down to the problem as to why it is that, you know, you're having difficulty in class. Why is it that you're late? And um, they just helped me grow into, I think, the woman, the young woman that I'm becoming because they believed in me and I got involved in the school. I became ASB president and I did all these things where they helped me get the price scholarship ultimately in my senior year of high school. And um, I started at City College. So that was kind of life just paved itself for me. And now I'm at City and I'm almost um, getting my associate's degree in social and behavioral science and transferring for a public policy degree. Yeah. I'm seen. I'm safe. There are people around me who care about me and the direction I'm headed. Jahir, you were expressing that that's, you're, you're feeling that now um, in the new activities that you're doing. And we're all hopeful that that's going to lead you soon to, um, to work and to a more stable living situation. But those are the keys, aren't they? Definitely. Yeah. So what's important about the Opportunity Youth Summit, uh, the Opportunity Summit? What, what do you want to see happen there? I think for me, it's just definitely giving youth the voice because, you know, adults are helping the youth. But a lot of the time, I think we get a one size fits all solution for everybody. And I don't think um, the needs are actually really heard or at least the underlying issue. Like, you know, if a student can't get to work on time, you know, why is that? Is public transportation an issue? You know, do they have to take their siblings somewhere, you know, to school before they go and I think finally getting educators and everybody that has a role in this is finally going to be at the same table. And I think that's the really beautiful part of the summit. Jahir, I want to ask you, you mentioned something that there was a sort of sink or swim moment for you. What was that moment? It was the fact that uh, I had an unstable background. Mm-hmm. And it was that moment where I said, um, either I'm going to sit in my room all day and probably go homeless or I can latch onto that door and learn whatever I can because no there's no necessarily any bad information there's only a learning experience and that current learning experience is that if I actually uh put my faith into something um I'll get more than what I asked for Hmm. did somebody like reach out to you give you a flyer yeah um she was one of my case managers, um, uh, at the time I didn't know her, um, and she offered me all this, uh, whole experience. She offered me a resume class. She offered me interview skills. She offered me a place where I can come to. Um, she offered me, um, what basic skills that an adult should already, should already have, but because of certain situations that they are going through, they can't, and emotional support. And I don't think I've ever had that much my entire life till now. Mm-hmm. Laura, is he describing a program at the Workforce Partnership? He's describing, yeah, a cluster of, of programs. A lot we fund, um, we fund providers throughout the city who pro- who create opportunities like the ones Jahir described, um, and so he connected with one of our providers, and then. We spotted him in our program and invited him to be part of our Opportunity Youth Leadership Council. And so mm-hmm. now he's been helping us with, with this work as well. Mm-hmm. I know. So I'm, I have to moderate a debate between this county supervisor candidates. Uh, what, what do you hope that political leaders understand about this group of people, these uh, uh, youth who 
aren't working, aren't in school, what can leaders do to help provide sort of on-ramps to, um, to school or to work or to a, a more, um, you know, fulfilling and ambitious life? I think what I hope that they get from this is one, um, obviously that there is a lot of underlying issues with the youth and they're going to get to see these stories firsthand, but um, politically on their end, for them to understand that tr uh, public transportation is something that's really big. So that's one of the questions that we, we were able to write about and saying, you know, a lot of them, it's not that they're lazy, it's not that they're not looking, it's just accessibility is something that's really difficult and um that's it's an interesting point so that's that's something we talk about a lot so just okay there's a job over here you could do or there's a school over here to do what is it like um, trying to make it work every day to get there i take public transportation myself um from home and like every other thing that i do mm -hmm. and um it is difficult I, I understand it's a lot of you know timing yourself and you know self-discipline it's definitely you know something but it's just San Diego is just so big and there's just so many people that sometimes, you know, things happen, the bus runs a little late and it's just being able to understand at least on for everybody. It's that, you know, these things happen, but, you know, giving the accessibility to this public transportation or subsidizing something for for a young adult who has this opportunity, but just needs that one day where they need to get there fast. And it's just, you know, how can we help them? Can we carpool them or something? And also understanding that um, a lot of people don't pursue higher education after high school because, you know, you hit that age of 18 and responsibilities just hit you like left and right. And it's that not a lot of them don't know where to find those opportunities. It's just that sometimes when you come from a place where um, you've not, you haven't been given a lot, it's just sometimes things sound way too good to be true and just making these things attainable and spreading the information of what is out there. I feel like I hope that that's something that they really understand and they work more with like San Diego workforce and the, the school district to understand that yeah. there's that need. When I interview people or when I look at their like backgrounds, I don't really care where they've gone to school often. And I, I, um, I often don't care necessarily if they've, if they've gone to college. What, what I really want to see is though that they finished things. You know what I mean? And like college, I want to see them having finished college because there's something about going through all the stuff you have to go through to finish college that really shows that you're you're a resourceful person. You know, like just just the registration and the making sure you have all the credits, that just going through all of that is more important than somebody who may have learned a lot more but didn't necessarily pull all those all those you know, levers. Mm -hmm. And, and, but I, cause I remember growing up, like it's all dark, right? There's no like handbook of how to do all this, right? There's no manual. And so when you're, you know, you're, you're from a, a status that is already in question, you know, of, of your residency, you're, um, there's no, nobody just showing you the path. There's nobody, there's no big pile of money. There's no trust. So that handbook that you guys get is, is very, <laughs> very small, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but are you finding ways that people can give you a handbook that's clearer? Are you seeing, like looking back, what could high schools have done to, to sort of give you a more, a more, a better manual to life, uh, Jahir? Um, personally, uh, from my own experience, I, because, uh, n not everyone learned the same way. And I was one of those people. I had to, uh, a lot of difficulty in learning 
And so uh, I didn't ask for help and I kind of just gave up on myself uh, on that note. And um, after high school, I, I just, re uh, or not after high school, but um, after I technically dropped out and started uh, doing uh, adult education, um, I had to either do the work and if I really want something, I'm going to have to really work for it and focus on it. And I did and I graduated uh, last year in June and, um, I took this opportunity. Um, like Anna said, uh, first it was, if something is too good to be true, it probably is. And so with that, I was, um, a little worried, uh, over that. And, um, the moment I stepped in, I felt very welcomed. And the moment that, uh, I started looking around, I realized that there was uh, way mm. for, for me out. They handed me a manual practically good. right in front of me. That's, I think that um, what you just expressed, that if something seems too good to be true, it probably is, is at some way expressing distrust that people who are, who are purporting to be there to help you, maybe they aren't going to follow through or maybe they're not going to deliver everything they said they're going to deliver. Or, does, or that or that you don't deserve it or that you don't deserve it it's, yeah. you're an imposter right that yeah. feeling of imposter syndrome like why do i get this after all this trouble i've had to go through so how does trust play into the phenomenon of youth disconnection can you all say a little bit about that maybe you've spoken to hear about trust and your difficulty with trust in your own life and i think we began with your daca status and how um i think that also plays into your sense of trust that the society and the laws are here to support you and your family. Um, but if you could say a little bit more about that and how we can, how we as a community can help engender trust in young people so that they will take advantage of opportunities that are there for them. I think it's uh, really important to take a moment to step back and realize that um, there, some of them are very young or some of like we serve a 16 to 24 um, so if their parents turn their backs on them or just family in general, um, I think it's, we have to realize that it's a little more difficult to gain that sort of trust, especially when, uh, most of their life they've been shunned out or felt betrayed. And so to have someone, you know, look at you straight in the face and tell you that we're going to offer you this opportunity, I think it's very estranging and very difficult to believe in. Because most of the life, their lives, they worked so hard, um, practically slaved their mentality into uh, struggling to get better, to get by. So um, I think it's a moment where we all just have to realize that we can't just uh, throw it at them. We have to slowly introduce the situation into them and slowly pr progress uh, with them because um, just like anyone else, they're human beings. And that's... I th the human mind is so fragile sometimes, especially at a young age. So it's that uh, moment where we have to sp sometimes spoon feed them because it's necessary sometimes to do it, but we can't just uh, force expect them to meet eye to eye and uh, suddenly think, okay, I'm going to do it. It's a slow progression. All right. I'm going to ask you both what's next. Uh, Anna, I was speaking with you earlier, trying to convince you to go into journalism, but uh, you've got politics on the mind, right? 
Yes, I I hope to part to be part of something maybe like the city council or um the big dream is to be in Congress and hopefully be on the board of directors for something like San Diego Workforce Partnership or a nonprofit that I feel is doing, you know, wonderful things for their community and um just kind of showing young adults that they have all this power within them and then there's people who genuinely want to help them and it's just a a matter of closed mouth closed mouths don't get fed and just if those opportunities you know they're not coming to you you need to make those opportunities for yourself and just understanding that there's resilience and tenacity in everybody that just needs to be unhoned and people need to listen to each other okay so here what's next for you for me uh so currently um i'm in the process of finding a job and then finding a place to stay so i can progress even better not just uh mentally but physically and educationally because i as anyone should know by now the basis of any good education is having um enough money to get by and a place where you feel comfortable and safe and then uh after i get all that i'm gonna go straight to college Uh, i'm gonna go for uh one major and two minors which are my major would be physical therapy and my two minors would be in classical literature and um American Sign Language. Sorry. It's okay. Um, and that's just only a doorstep towards uh, what my ultimate goal is. Um, because um, as I start getting enough of that money, I want to be able to open up my doors uh, to one of the small uh, local groups for Opportunity Youth and open a bookstore, uh, a tattoo parlor, and a barber place and offer that opportunity to uh, not only teach them skills, um because there's a lot of hidden talent that we don't see every day but uh give them a little bit more hope and offer them like anyone else a chance that they never had it's remarkable that you guys are already thinking about giving back when <laughs> yeah right in the middle of of building your own life so thank you for coming in and sharing um opportunity youth uh, opportunity summit is april 12th and is it uh, can we still get in um uh- we're uh, on the verge of selling out. It's uh, April 12th at the Town and Country Resort. If anyone is interested in coming, you can try to register. If it's sold out, maybe show up and we'll have no-shows. Yeah. All right. Ana Lomeli and Jahir Costello, thank you so much for coming here. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Voices San Diego Podcasts. This show is part of the Voices San Diego Podcast Network. Visit voiceofsandiego.org slash podcast. There you'll learn more about our award-winning arts and education podcast, Culture Cast and Good Schools for All, the Cura Chaos podcast about movers and shakers on both sides of the border, Beer Talk Radio, our business show, I Made It in San Diego, our sports show, The Kept Faith, and the rest of the shows in the network. Voice of San Diego is a nonprofit. The majority of our budget comes from grants and donations from readers and listeners like you. If you like the show, please take a minute to go to voicesandiego.org and click the donate button. Or if you have a business and would like to sponsor the show, contact development at voicesandiego.org or call 619-550-5664.